Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Chef Special on the Believe Podcast Network, your number one podcast network for professionals. I'm your host, Patrick Honeywell. Today, my special guest is Chef Eddie Garza, a plant-based chef, cookbook author, and program manager of food and nutrition for the Humane Society of the United States. On today's podcast, Chef Eddie discusses the benefit of living a plant-based lifestyle. He also talks about his work with school districts in the Latin American community and how this led to a TV gig, working with Telemundo, Univision, and many others, meeting and cooking for a host of plant-powered stars in the television, film, and music industries, many of them giving personal endorsements for his new book, The 30-Day Vegan Meal Plan for Beginners. Chef Eddie Garza, how are you today? Doing great, Patrick. Thank you so much for having me on. So let's go over a little bit about uh, your story. I've, you've got a lot of really interesting uh, things going on in your life. But the thing that first caught me is, because I was super close with my mom, was your story, uh, making breakfast crepes for your mom when you were seven. So let's talk about your story. Sure. Well, I always talk about how I learned to cook probably before I learned to write correctly or even read correctly. <laughs> uh, it's something that has been part of my culture, uh, you know, being Mexican-American, being, you know, largely raised by my grandmother during my early years because both my parents worked. And my grandmother was the cook for everybody. Uh, we were a typical Mexican family where everybody just came over to my grandma's house after work. So I always got to visit with my cousins and my uncles and my aunts. And of course, we were all there. While I was younger, I was helping my grandmother cook. I just had a great relationship with her. And she's somebody who's very, very dear to my heart. Mm. So she spent all of her time in the kitchen making food for everybody, uh, either for lunches or for dinners. And I was just so interested in everything she was doing. I remember from a very young age, just sitting on her counter, just watching what she was doing and mm. wanting to imitate it. So um, yeah, when I was younger, I remember I stayed home with my mom. She was sick. And I ended up making her some crepes that I had learned to make on PBS. I don't remember quite what show it was, but I learned to make crepes and I made her some crepes and took them to her for breakfast in bed. Uh, My mother was not a cook of the house. My father was the cook of the house, but because they both worked, it sort of became like my passion. And um, the reason my mother wasn't a cook is in a typical Mexican family who comes in from Mexico, they were immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother kind of selected which are the which are the sons and daughters who were going to go and study, and which are the ones that were going to help out around the house. And my mother was one of the smart ones, so they sent her to school. They sent her to to study nursing, and she just became a very busy working mother. And that's the reason she didn't cook, but she could take care of wounds and she could take care of a lot of medical stuff that we needed, uh, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I've been cooking for as long as I can remember. And it is always 
just something I, I think about my grandmother who I recently lost uh, every time I make a Mexican meal. Mm. So she was a matriarch and that's great, you know, to hear your, your background, your history a bit, um, your Mexican heritage. My, my mother is Portuguese. So we had a very close Portuguese family that the same thing, I think a bit that side family coming over cousins, you know, brothers, sisters, of course, huge family, one of 10 kids, uh, lots of food, mostly Mexican food. Cause my mom's friends in San Pedro in uh, California, um, we're from Mexico originally. So nice. yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Very cool. <laughs> so, um, okay, let's talk about uh, being a plant-based chef just a little bit. When, how, and why did you go vegan? That's a great question. And it was something that I wasn't even sure I was doing at the time that I started it. Mm-hmm. I, um, you may have read that I suffered from problems, health problems from a young age. Mm -hmm. I was very typical obese kid growing up in South Texas. And I just grew to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And by the time I got to college, I kind of, well, I didn't have my mother anymore to, to try to limit the calories I was eating. So it just like became this, like I went haywire and I started eating like everything without having mom there to watch my back. And by the time I ended up my first career as a music teacher, I mean, after four years of college, I had gained another, uh, maybe about another hundred pounds from, from like the beginning of college. And I was 310 pounds. And I met this one teacher who just said I needed to lose weight or I was basically going to die. And I was really embarrassed because uh, the way that she said it was kind of rough. She was from Pittsburgh, so they (laughs) didn't have quite the same filter that we had in Texas. (laughs) And um, I I took her advice to go to this, uh, essentially it was just like a diet workshop. And I was learning that all the foods that I was eating were really the worst foods that you could eat. And I was eating them in abundance. So I just started eating more plant-based foods just because they were lower in calories. They were uh, helping with, you know, fiber intake and all the things that we were talking about in these classes. And eventually we both, this teacher and I both transitioned to a vegetarian diet. And I was seeing that more and more of the foods that I was eating that were on the lower caloric value were the ones that made me feel better the next day. So I eventually just went mostly plant-based. And then after about five years, I realized that oh, I've gone plant-based now. Like this is completely plant-based and I'm feeling better than ever. I had lost 150 pounds over a course of five years and have been able to maintain a healthy lifestyle. It kind of shifts up and down depending on if I'm doing like some gains or if I'm you know, trying to cut. Uh, but right now, it's been close to 20 years now since I've been completely plant-based and I feel better than ever. Yeah. You look fantastic. So yeah, it's motivating for me to see this and to talk to you now. Thank you. I appreciate that, Patrick. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about your uh, role with the Humane Society of the United States. Uh, I thought that was interesting when I read about that. Yeah. So I, originally started this role with the Humane Society, working with large school districts and hospitals in Texas, working with them on developing more plant-strong menus. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like I mentioned, I, growing up in South Texas, it was very common to have kids who were obese and overweight. And I largely focused my efforts doing specific work with regions that were high obesity rates. So we're talking about the Rio Grande Valley. We're talking about inner city Dallas, Houston, San Antonio. 
know, those big cities that have large Hispanic populations. So after doing more of that work, I started getting called to Florida to help with school districts out there, started getting calls from people here in California. Mm. And then eventually my role really just became being a spokesperson for the Humane Society and trying to get specifically Latinos to mm -hmm. go more plant-based and how to incorporate those flavors that we're used to, but in a healthful way. Mm. So instead of some of that heavy of very fatty meats that we're used to eating, like chorizos and lots of cheese. Mm -hmm. It was a way to show school cooks how to really implement these dietary changes into the menus and still keep those same flavors. I was really inspired also, again, by my grandmother, who by trade was a cafeteria cook hmm. when she was working. So it was it's another very special place in my heart. And I especially loved it when I would go and talk to culinary students who were in high school. There was a program in Laredo, Texas, which is on the border between Mexico and the U.S. and South mm -hmm. Texas, that, that has a culinary program where the kids can actually go to high school and get an associate's degree by the time they're done with high school. And it was really cool showing them how to turn some of their traditional foods into plant-based foods. And we even did a really cool, kind of like a top chef sort of situation there. And it was really fun. <laughs> awesome. It's always nice inspiring young people. Mm. Yeah. So you helped reform the food systems in the Latinx community. So that would be challenging for any community, whether it's a Latin or whatever, because in a cafeteria, the kids are looking probably, they go, give me that slice of pizza. Let me have a hamburger. Give me the fries. Um, but I know the schools are trying to do maybe a better job nutritionally. So you sound like a great contact for them to bring in and overhaul a bit or make some changes that, uh, but you have to make sure it has a great flavor. They won't, they won't ask for it. Right. I mean, taste is the number one thing with kids. You know, I just saw a video the other day. It was a funny video that went viral of this little girl who was eating something and she looks like she's about to barf, you know, <laughs> and it was kind of funny to watch that because that is truly like it take, it took me back to childhood where I would taste things that I did not like and I could not stomach them. Mm. So I always have taste in mind. And I always think about those flavors that you love from childhood, which is why, you know, when we talk about my book, um, I can tell you a little bit about why I chose some of those recipes. Perfect. Uh, like the, the, you know, the mac and cheese, which is a very delicious favorite mm -hmm. from childhood, mm -hmm. but done in a very healthful way. Mm, sounds fantastic. Well, you know, yeah, I, I, and it's funny because I just happen to have your two books and did you write two or three or 10 or one or I know I have <laughs> well, two. I've got two published books. I've got a couple of more in the works right now. And I've got recipes kind of published all over the place. I'm a contributor to Veg News Magazine. So I have uh, a recipe in the global bite section of every single issue. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, I've got recipes published in English and in Spanish. You just got to search my name and you'll find them. You're the host of Plant Powered Stars. How did they find you? And then you eventually went into different television programs in like South America. I mean, you've been here, of course, in the States on TV, um, doing yeah. some great interviews and things and teaching uh, Mexico, Colombia, Venezuela and others. How did you get that going on? That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. It it, it was a, it's been an interesting journey, this, uh, this plant-based world that I, you know, ended up being in. Uh, as part of my work with the school districts, 
kind of turned into a little bit of a TV gig, especially when I was living in Miami. All the major international television shows that are in Spanish language are based in Miami. So I got called from one studio into the other studio. And through that, I met people, um, a lot of entertainers in the Latin American field who work with Telemundo, which I was doing a lot of regular work with, Mm -hmm. uh, Univision. And a lot of those stars happened to be plant-based. And so I just, you know, I had a lot of platforms that I was on and that's really how I met a lot of these folks and how I've maintained friendships with them. I still have really close contact with a lot of these folks and they're oftentimes my taste testers for my recipes. (laughs) So uh, especially during the pandemic, I was making deliveries to some of my friends here in Hollywood. Like, I'd love to get your feedback. And that's really how I was able to get the endorsements is after I took them samples of the food and had lots of conversations with them. I've cooked private dinners for many of these folks. And um, yeah, it's just turned into this really fantastic world of plant-based eaters in the Latin American media world. Nice. Do you have any memories of some like cool or favorite interviews you did on TV with any of the celebrities? Yeah, I I have one uh, really fun memory of uh, one of my buddies, Marco Antonio Regil, who's kind of the I guess I might call him the Steve Harvey of Mexico and Latin America. He kind of is the, he's the host of Family Feud and he was the host of all the big game shows. Wow. Um, he was one of the hosts for Telemundo's morning show called Un Nuevo Dia. And I had gone there for a Thanksgiving special where I went and took in one of the recipes that I have in this book. It's the stuffed butternut squashes. Hmm. And one of the guests for that week was this woman named Jamie Osorio, who played the part of Celia Cruz in the Telemundo telenovela of Celia Cruz. Nice. And she happened to be vegan. They had nothing to eat in the entire studio. So both of them at the end of my segment just went and devoured everything that I had made for TV. <laughs> and we spent about an hour chatting afterwards. And it was really, it was really a lot of fun. So that's one of my fun memories. Like whenever nice. people scarf down the food. And I love Celia Cruz. I love her music. So that's really Oh awesome. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. So cool. So, um, I have a couple of questions before we jump into your books. I have, um, there's two chef friends that I had done interviews with in the past and I knew I was going to have you on. And I got excited because uh, one of them actually, his name is Filippo Rosato. He is an Italian um, vegan pizza chef at Pereza, Pereza in the UK. And he's won some different uh, titles in pizza. But I asked, I said, you know, I've got Chef Eddie Garza coming on. Do you have any questions you'd like to ask him? And the first thing I think he said was, which one is your favorite pizza since you've turned vegan? Oh, wow. Well, to be honest, I've got so many favorites. When I, when I think about what is my favorite pizza, mm-hmm. I automatically think of what are my favorites from different styles of pizza. So um, I've, I've spent some time in Argentina, and I really fell in love with the Fugazeta. Mm-hmm. Fugazeta is one of my absolute favorites. It's, a, it's essentially a cheese-filled pizza. Mm-hmm. topped with some sweet onions. Delicious. And I've got a plant-based version of that that I make. Uh, and then when I think of Chicago style, mm-hmm. I love Chicago style pizza. There's a place that I really love uh, in here. It's based here in California. It's called Pachi's Pizza. And they make a vegan pizza that's mm-hmm. Chicago style deep dish. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. But of course, you know, Napolitana style pizzas as well. Those mm-hmm. are some of my favorites. There's a pizzeria here in Los Angeles called Pura Vita Pizzeria. They make a fantastic pie. So really it's just, it's hard to pick just one. So I have to pick my favorites of each style. You know what I mean? I like that. That's perfect. That sounds good. So um, he had another question from the past. What food did you miss the most becoming vegan? Did you go, oh my gosh, I really have to have this. What was the challenging one that you missed the most? 
One of the ones that I missed the most when I first was going plant-based and getting rid of dairy mm -hmm. was, um, it was called queso flameado, or it's also sometimes called chorigueso, mm -hmm. but it was essentially a white melted cheese with plant with, with chorizo on top. Okay. And you would eat that with tortillas. And it was something that I was just like a very favorite thing. I've got my own version of that now, but hmm. back then I didn't know really how to incorporate those flavors because I just, you know, when I went vegan, we were still not anywhere close to where we are now. We didn't have all the knowledge that we have now about how to, how to make these plant-based alternatives. We didn't even have access to a lot of the stuff. We were doing a lot of mail order. I mean, at that point, soy milk was made in powder form. <laughs> You'd have to order exactly. it online. <laughs> okay. And then uh, he had another question. Um, what is the most challenging dish, a Mexican style dish that you find difficult to produce in the vegan version? One of the things that I originally found difficult to produce was the chile relleno, mainly mm. because it's got an egg batter around the chile. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I wrote my first book, uh, Salud Vegan Mexican Cookbook, I was using aquafaba, which is the water from the chickpeas, and you whip that up into a cream or into like a whip, and it would turn into kind of almost close to an egg. Mm -hmm. when you add in some flour, mm -hmm. but it didn't get quite that same flavor. Now there's mm -hmm. an egg product that I really like called Just Egg, and that whips up like real egg, and you can make a fabulous chile relleno with that same flavor, that same texture that my grandma used to make. So that is now another thing that originally I found challenging, now super easy, especially with now all the egg alternatives that we have on the market. So one last thing from Chef Filippo. He had sure. mentioned that he uh, is open to doing a fusion pizza between a uh, Neapolitana pizza and a Mexican vegan. And would we like to talk to you about that? How do you feel about that? I would love that. You know, that's something I, I have to also say, I love a Mexican style pizza. I know that that might be frowned upon, but no, uh, no, no, not in California, at least <laughs> not in California and certainly not in Texas where I was from. So, um, Chef Filippo, I would love to collaborate with you and maybe we could talk about some alternatives for, for making a delicious Mexican style pizza together. Awesome. Okay. Let me jump to another uh, chef, Omar Aliboy had asked about vegan meat alternatives. In general, are, are, they, they, are they really like super processed and are they suitable options to use and still be healthy? He understands that they're pretty heavily engineered and processed. Are there some good ones out there, good meat alternatives that you found? Yeah, I so th there's a there's a big controversy right now with whether they're healthier than the actual meat alternative. We know that they have around the same number of calories mm -hmm. as you know, traditional meat. Um, the and we have to think about processing. What does processing actually mean? There's a lot of processing that goes on in both the feed for what the animals are eating, plus their hormones that are injected into the animals while they're being produced for food. So we got to think about that, and also. Yes, there are some products that are really good and really clean and really delicious. There are two really popular ones here in the United States, uh, Impossible and Beyond Meat. Impossible Foods makes a burger that bleeds like a real burger. They both do. They mm -hmm. both Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods. And if you look at their ingredients carefully, it might look like it's highly processed, and it probably is highly processed because you've got to process pretty much everything. Yeah. But these ingredients are all plant-based. They have very... Um, normal type of ingredients like rice protein, pea protein, uh, potato protein, soy protein. They're both a little bit different. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe that they both use uh, beets to bring that color. But the only other thing that I would say that's 
that's not that might be like um, what people might consider a highly processed ingredient is mm -hmm. uh, methyl cellulose, but that's something that's commonly used to thicken sauces, mm -hmm. uh, salad dressings, uh, ice creams. So I wouldn't say that it's that highly processed. I would definitely look at all of the ingredients very carefully. But I also know that the Dr. Oz show recently did a, uh, they recently did some research on four guests who went plant-based for 21 days and they all used literally swaps of chicken for plant-based chicken, beef for plant-based beef, um, fish for plant-based fish. And three out of four of those people who tried this out ended up having uh, dropped anywhere from three to 10 pounds. They ended up dropping their blood pressure from three to five points. And um, one person actually dropped her blood pressure 10 points. So, um, and this was one-to-one -one like one chicken nugget to one plant-based chicken nugget. And they ate basically the same thing, but complete alternatives. So right now, I think they're still doing a lot of research. We know that eating more plant-based whole foods like beans and legumes, grains, other uh, plant-based natural foods is really great for your overall health. And there isn't enough research that we have that shows that these other foods the impossible meat and the beyond meat is actually better for your health and can improve your health, but we certainly know that it's not going to make it worse. And uh, I also like to think of these foods as just transitional foods. When I first went plant-based, I was using a lot of these products because I was, you know, sometimes I did miss my chicken sandwich. So I would yeah. go get something from Morningstar <laughs> Farms. And sometimes I did meet a, miss a burger. So I would go get a burger from Boca. And, um, Nowadays, I kind of make my own stuff. Uh, I make my own sausages. I've got several sausage recipes in my new book. Um, and they're all ingredients that are pretty easy to find. And uh, I just like adding my own flavor. You know, every every cook <laughs> likes to have their own their own sauce or their own seasoning Definitely. to give that, you know, that signature taste. Definitely makes <laughs> makes good sense. So let's talk about your books. So Salud Me Vegan Mexican cookbook, 150 mouthwatering recipes from tamales de churros. Now, uh, there's a little message behind the 150 recipes. Why do you have 150 recipes? Yeah. So the 150 recipes represented the 150 pounds that I lost going plant-based. And I, I should have been more specific in that book, but things got a little bit, you know, things, things happening in the editing that don't make it in there. And that unfortunately didn't make it in there. But it was a really good message that those 150 recipes were, um, as you might see, I wrote this book in dedication to my grandmother. Mm. So this book has so much heart in it. Mm. It's got all of those recipes that were uh, foods that I ate growing up, all honoring my grandmother and all honoring the 150 pounds that I had lost. Wow. What a motivation. So, what a beautiful story. You know, I love your grandma. Uh, your grandmother, I haven't met her, you know, but I, I can feel and sense her. And when you speak, and also now I'll look at this book a little bit differently. But, Thank so, you. Yeah. But you know, so these rest, what I really like about the book, I'll open a book and I'll say, okay, this is covering a little bit of everything. You know, you've got breakfast covered, salad, soup, stews, appetizers, main courses, you know, from tacos, tamales, you know, to fajitas, sauces, yeah. salsas, desserts, etc. My background is dessert primarily. Um, but 
I was, uh, so I'm blown away. Now my question would be, um, would you, would you consider these to be simple recipes to follow intermediate, difficult, or are there different ones? Um, it's going to be kind of a variety of both. You're going to have some very simple recipes in there. Um, you're going to also have some recipes that are going to be a little bit more complicated. One of the things that I realized when I wrote this book versus the new book mm -hmm. is that I was writing it for different audiences. When you open up a vegan Mexican cookbook, you should expect to be working on some traditional, um, or it, with some traditional methods. So it's not going to be quite as simple as, you know, picking up a book for beginners because I wouldn't have them work with a molcajete or I wouldn't have them make tamales in the same way. Mm -hmm. um, that's just a little too complicated for a beginner. So for this one, if you're going to be making tamales, you want to make sure that you're, uh, you know what you're getting into. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the book too, I mean, um, who doesn't, when I go to a restaurant, a Mexican restaurant, I'll, I'll, I always check, all right, I have the rice and I have the frijoles and I kind of, I hate to do this, but I kind of judge it a little, the restaurant at first on those, you know, if they did it right, or how, at least I consider it to be mm -hmm. pretty good. You've got some really cool arroz recipes and different bean recipes. So I, I mean, just for that alone, the book is amazing. Thank you. You know, you and I are the same. I always taste the rice and beans first. And that tells me everything I need to know about that restaurant. I agree. You know? <laughs> I agree. Now, I, okay. The other book, uh, the 30 day vegan meal plan for beginners. I love this because I'm motivated to give it a shot now for, you know, when you talk about uh, in a little bit ago about the the people that had done the test, you know, trying a, a vegan chicken uh, versus, you know, or mm -hmm. plant-based chicken versus the other chicken, et cetera. Um, that's really interesting to me because it would be health and it would be losing weight too. Cause I, I really need to do something. And uh, even if it is a test at first, I think it could help me to really change things and how I approach food. So I'm really excited. And I like the fact that 30 day, everybody I think can tackle 30 days, you know, if sure. you're looking at something, I think it's perfect. And I really like in the intro, you talk about it, your, the vegan primer intro, talk a little bit about the vegan primer. So the vegan primer is one of the things that I thought was really key to this particular book. Um, you know, I've traveled so much. I've traveled to Latin America, I've traveled to Europe, and I've traveled to so many different places where people want to know how to do it. They, they may have heard about the vegan diet and didn't really know what it actually meant and how to, how to tackle it. A lot of people have gone vegan for maybe about a week or so, and then they're like, eh, I really couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So the vegan primer really is just that very base idea. Like, how do we get started? What is the vegan diet? What are the health benefits? What are the environmental benefits? What are the benefits to my uh, social justice causes in general? And how can we tie all these in together with one diet meal plan? Now, the vegan primer does cover things for vegans or people who want to go vegan to help the planet. I feel that a lot of the people who I've talked to who are young millennials really have the environment as part of their um, like main reason to go plant-based. So we know that there are so many different problems that come from animal agriculture, environmental problems. And also, you know, there are issues with water pollution, with just water usage. Um, and that is one of the main reasons. So I talk about all those things and why eating more plant-based is going to be better for the planet. For people who are interested in health, and that was my original motivation, I talk about the health benefits for like diabetes prevention, uh, weight management, all of those things that were really key to me. 
And then, of course, I also talk about the ethical issues uh, surrounding the way that animals are treated on factory farms, where the large majority of animals are confined in cages that are so tight they can't even move their limbs. And people are trying to reduce their, a lot of people are trying to reduce their amount of meat just Mm -hmm. to reduce the pressure on animal agriculture for producing so many animals for food. Mm -hmm. So eating even like one day a week meat-free is a prime motivation for a lot of people who are practicing meatless Mondays or you know, uh, like getting rid of meat on Fridays during Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, so this really is a good foundation of like why, you know, how, and tying it all in. You know, one of the things that I do mention in the in the book is I originally went plant-based for my health, but during that journey, I learned so much about the environmental and animal welfare aspects of it that now it's like, what it really did is it opened up my heart to the, you know, compassion for all beings. And I think that that's one of the things that I, I really focused on because I wanted to bring that in. You know, I I look at a chicken who's raised for meat Mm -hmm. and see the way that they're raised to be grown so fast and so large that it does take me back to those old days when I used to sprain my ankle, just walking down the sidewalk because I couldn't hold my own weight. And I think about those chickens all the time. Before I had you on, I thought, you know what? I told my wife, by the way, my wife, uh, Sonia, is from Brazil, and you haven't gone to Brazil yet that I know of, so we got to get you down there to be on one of those shows because you've been all over (laughs) South America. So page 164, I said, what do I want to make? I thought, I have to make some food from uh, one of your cookbooks before we speak. So I picked 164, Spanish chorizo and vegetable paella, but it was killer. And my wife and I and my stepson, um, Johan, we had some. And we finished it. So uh, congratulations on an amazing recipe. Thank you. I appreciate that. That That's the simplified recipe. I've got, I'm working on another recipe right now. It's another paella that you're going to truly love when, when that book's out. I dig paella. I love paella. So Yeah, it's one of my favorite party foods. It's something that, <laughs> you know, especially during this season when it's nice and cold, you want to go out in the campfire and hang out with your friends outdoors. Mm-hmm. Paella is the perfect thing to do. Mm. Paella is like the perfect food. Yeah, it's a, it, I love it. I love it. Now, as far as cake or pastry, what is the most challenging cake or pastry for you to, to translate to vegan? And why do I ask? I was a corporate chef at Le Chef Bakery, and uh, we get people, you know, we tried to come up with more vegan dishes uh, on the mm-hmm. And they say, what do you have that's vegan? People would ask, oh, we got, we looked through the bread list. We looked through this. There wasn't a lot that we had that we could truly say was vegan. This is a this is a tough question to answer, mm. especially to a pastry chef. Um, I I am not. I will say this: I'm not a great baker. Mm-hmm. I I learned my baking skills working at a at a diner and bakery in Dallas called oh. Spiral Diner. And back when I was baking cakes with them, we were using a lot of very heavy oils to to get that moistness, mm-hmm. and it never really fully got there. Nowadays. Things are a little bit easier, especially with the just egg, but I had sort of resorted to vegan mayonnaise as sort of my egg alternative mm-hmm. or any sort of, you can replace <clears throat> any of the dairy products very easily, but the egg was something that was very tricky. So like I said, I resorted to mayonnaise. Maybe that's a very Texas thing, uh, but um, that was my, that was my trick for baking. Mm. What I can tell you that I do really well now are 
sort of cheesecakes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Cheesecakes are my thing right now. I've okay. been a fan of cheesecake for <laughs> forever. Me too. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I've been doing a lot of cheesecake recipes. I've got one in the book. It's the spice sweet potato cheesecake. It's I sort of it. a that and that one's fun because that's something that we had in at Spiral Diner was a sweet potato pie. Mm-hmm. Now I said, well. I want a sweet potato pie, but I also want a cheesecake in there. And I had to choose both. So I decided, you know what? I'm just going to merge the two. And I made those. <laughs> I made that recipe specifically for this book. But um, I do cheesecakes well. I do uh, a panna cotta, which is fantastic. Mm. That's actually one of the great recipes that I have in there. Mm. As far as baking, there's not really much I think I can teach you. I think maybe you can teach me. Well, I, I'm just fascinated because it's, I think people you know, not everybody has a dessert often, or they say, oh, every now and then I'll, I'll, you know, kind of reward myself and have something sweet. But um, it's, it's a big part of our lives. I mean, I was reading about your blueberry cake donuts with Meyer lemon glaze. I thought, what the heck? That sounds interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, in, in, when I was in R and D on the wholesale side, that's what I'm thinking. You could probably do, I don't know if you do consulting much with big wholesale bakeries, but you you could uh, take a lot of your, some of your things there and don't knock mayonnaise. Um, I tell you, you didn't knock it, but I think mayonnaise is awesome. And and in fact, um, Tony Gemignani, he's a, a world champion uh, pizza guy, had interviewed him once and he had won a competition where he snuck in a little bit of mayonnaise. And I believe it was in Porto, Portugal. He said it really, it, they loved it. So, I mean, mayonnaise has a lot of different uh, functions. So um, anyway, I think that a lot of the things that you're doing, I would, if I was doing R&D right now, I would translate over to different dishes, different pastries. Fantastic. Well, yeah, I guess I wasn't knocking mayonnaise. I just, I figured that's kind of like an old school vegan trick. So. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. No, yes. you didn't sound like you're knocking it, but like you had to, you know what I mean? It's like, ah, I love mayonnaise anyway. So I'd like to, okay, I can't great. wait to try yours. So that's awesome. Well, you know, this has been a fantastic to, to touch base with you. So I appreciate you being here. Do you have any final words or little tidbits you'd like to add? Well, I guess the only thing I might add is if, um, you are on Instagram, I'd love for you to follow me uh, at the Eddie Garza. I'm going to be posting a lot of really cool stuff in the next few weeks because I've got a new digital show that's about to launch. And each one of those is going to feature plant-based recipes from around the world. So I think it's going to be very exciting. I want to thank you for being on. Thank you so much, Patrick. For all of you listening out there, Chef Special is part of the Believe Podcast Network. Check it out at Believe.com. And follow me on Instagram at Patrick Honeywell. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.